0: The only proven technology out there is sailing with the wind.
1: Sustainable transport, what does it look like? Well, yeah, we know that electric cars are getting a lot of attention. We know about bicycles, buses and trains or about shipping. Well, there was a time when all goods were moved across the ocean using nothing but the wind and the hard work of an able crew. This episode, I was joined by Jorn Langalan, the founder and captain of EcoClipper. EcoClipper are a professional shipping company which will offer emission free transport and travel by making use of engineless sailing ships. Our conversation takes us on a whistle stop tour of the history of shipping, the current state of play, and onto Jorn's vision for a sustainable future for shipping. Fascinating stuff. Let's go. Uh, Johan, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? How's life in the Netherlands at the moment?
0: It's good. It's of course uh, a bit weird with all the corona stuff, but um, yeah, we just uh, just continue here and um, just uh, working along, looking for puzzle pieces to, to solve the shipping question here.
1: Yeah, it's it's huge, man. I'm so excited to talk about this stuff and it, um, the work you're doing is incredible, actually. Um, so And it addresses so many issues around decarbonization and uh, globalization and, and loads more of other things um you're not you're not actually talking me to me from the hull of a ship right now i think are you in the you're in the attic of the house
0: yeah that's right we are um, we're a classic startup um, in the attic of a house <laughs> but also a bit forced to uh, to go outside of our uh, our office spaces which was a shared office space and uh, in these times yep. uh, working uh, working from home is uh, recommended definitely so um so yeah, our team is all uh, scattered through uh, Europe and um, working from their uh, ethics and uh, and bedrooms and living rooms.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I was, look- I was looking at your website and there's- it's quite a team you've got, actually. So should we start things off by just, if you can give a little introduction to EcoClipper, uh, your mission and where you're up to at the moment?
0: Yes, totally. So EcoClipper is a startup started in uh, 2018 and it's a shipping company, currently without ship yet. However, we are working on it to uh, to get the first ship going, and for that we are designing a sailing cargo ship with uh, passenger accommodation. And the reason for this is that uh, shipping is a, is an enormous emitter of uh, uh, of carbon and uh, and emissions, mm-hmm. and uh, and also has some uh, some other uh, uh, problems. We will be able to solve with designing this uh, sailing ship, which will be uh, emission free. And uh, with this ship, the, the business model is basically serving uh, shippers and people who want to ship cargo, um, taking their cargo between the continents. So it's, uh, it's deep sea shipping and also uh, passengers and trainees who would like to uh, cross an ocean, but won't be able um, to do that emission free with airplanes and uh, they will be welcome um, to join our ships.
1: What's a bit of your background then, if we can just dive into that a little bit. Um, I, I think in some of your notes that you sent to me before, it said something about being a stowaway back in 2000. So what is, is is shipping and, and maritime always been in your blood or are you got did you get into it a, a later in, in life?
0: No, it, it's really uh, in my family. Uh, I'm from a family of, uh, of ship owners. To, to say my uncle uh, used to own ships. And I would go in the school holidays when, from my when I was twelve years old or so, join him on his uh, cargo voyages, uh, hauling cargo in the Baltic. And uh, it was like small uh, coastal cargo ships. And yeah, I really got the adventure there of uh, of sailing. Well, this was motoring actually.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, and then later on, I joined other ships and uh, and went into sailing ships. Yeah, try to sail on as many as possible ships to really learn the trade. But um, yeah, sailing on sailing ships. Uh, this was also commercial sailing ships, who were not carrying cargo anymore, but carrying uh, passengers. I always got kind of the idea like, well, wh- where am I? Where are we doing it for? Why aren't we taking cargo? And then at a certain point, I saw a documentary of uh, schooner Aventure and she was uh, still trading uh, with cargo on the sail power and yeah this was still in the 90s and I got the opportunity to join that ship trading in the caribbean with her um, old captain Paul Wallen, who uh who was really uh quite quite a character and famous in the caribbean and um yeah he he taught me a bit of uh, a bit of lessons about uh, sail cargo so that was yeah more or less where it uh, where it started and then later i started sailing on on other ships uh, again as uh, still on the the bark europa uh, across the ocean uh, more or less as a stowaway uh, but it's a different story <laughs> and and then um, yeah I, I worked quite a few years on this uh, vessel not uh, Continually, but at a certain point, I was asked to become a chief officer there. And uh, yeah, really sailing the seven seas, uh, crossing oceans, doing expeditions to Antarctica. And uh, yeah, also uh, falling in love with nature and realizing the crises, um nature and, uh, and with that humanity has been facing. Mm-hmm. So then around 2007 with the two partners we started a sailing cargo ship company, Fair Transport. And um, uh, yeah, with that, with that company, we launched the first kind of larger scale sail cargo vessel, yeah. um, Transombras, Hombras. And, uh, and she became uh, somewhat of a pioneer for a uh, new industry of sail cargo. And uh, this ship, Transombras. Hombras, since that time, she has been sailing constantly around the uh, the Atlantic uh, Ocean, hauling rum, coffee, cacao from the Caribbean to Europe. Europe. Mm-hmm. and I joined her for a couple of trips as a captain, uh, sailing her across the oceans. And uh, uh, I was also involved in uh, in all the, the operational and uh, and management of uh, of her company, Fair Transport. And at a certain point. I realized that uh, that we needed scale up so I decided to uh to start another company eco clipper and uh, and that was in 2018 a few years ago but um uh, it's all coming together now
1: yeah it's uh it's fascinating I, I showed before we came on air a photo that i took um at the weekend so i'm in the northwest of england here and uh, uh right next to liverpool and liverpool in the river mersey has got an amazing history you know in terms of industrialization and um that kind of containerization of, of, of shipping and, and transport so Liv- liverpool's not quite the city that it was maybe 150 years ago when it was the center of the, the universe in some ways uh, but even now uh, you know it's trying to fight back uh, and i was looking out across the river mersey and there were these, these huge um cranes that were being put in and the new port um just along from the city uh, which are obviously all set up, ready to bring in container ships, massive, massive container ships from all around the world to bring us, you know, all this stuff that apparently we need. Uh, who knows what? Who knows what's on those ships? But I was just kind of, I had a bit of a low moment, to be honest, because for all the environmental work that you and I do and lots of other people are doing, it just seems to be that we're on this endless trajectory to kind of Endless consumption—that's going to go pop at some point. So, is EcoClipper, I take it, isn't really trying to compete with this, this, the site, the kind of the scale of operation that big shipping um, runs at the moment? So, you trying to, are you aiming for a world where less consumption is uh, is the norm?
0: Yeah. Well, this is this is a tricky question uh, you ask me here, <laughs> because uh, as a as a ship manager or a ship owner. Of course, I shouldn't say that uh, we should have less transport, but uh, yeah, it is actually a fact. It is the truth that um, there's way too much transport. And uh, the reason for that is that the shipping has become so cheap that it doesn't matter anymore uh, what you transport. The, the the transport costs are barely seen in the cost of product. So, um, So that actually has seen the rise of of consumption over the past forty years, and although the the borders of of our planet uh, has been reached, like on many on many uh, different uh, different uh, parts, we see crises uh, evolving. These these borders have been reached, but uh, but shipping has only become uh, cheaper, and, and a lot of products have become cheaper instead of more expensive. What you will would expect when, uh, well, when you have um, environmental overload.
1: Yeah, it's it's a massive problem. So, what in terms of the industry, shipping, uh, the shipping industry, can you talk much about the plans to decarbonize the current shipping industry? Is it is it even possible, or are there grand plans to kind of get to net zero by twenty fifty, or is it just kind of we, is everyone waiting to see what what how things pan out?
0: Um, yes, there's definitely um, a goal. So, the, there is the International Maritime Organization uh, with its uh, seat in London and uh, representing about, uh, I don't know, 130 or 150 countries of the world. And they put in 2018 uh, the goal to uh, reduce shipping emissions with uh, 50% at least compared to the shipping emissions in 2008. And uh, if possible, more. And yes, this is of course a kind of good thing to do. in In the eyes of um, of many ship owners, it's uh, way too radical. But uh, if you look at the at the climate accords at the the Paris climate accords, actually, um, you would need to have a a goal which is uh, uh, which is twice as uh, strict.
1: Yeah, uh, that's it. I mean, that's what a lot of people fail to understand when they look at kind of climate solutions and they, they kind of they forget that nature is in charge. You know, it's not us that that kind of it's not what we think is is possible. It's what is actually left in terms of energy. So it's we'll we'll talk more about wind in a second, get onto that, but is is there a push within the industry to for hydrogen for electric for of some kind of hybrid systems what, what what's going on what conversations are being had
0: yeah this is this is definitely uh on top of the list of uh, of all our company um uh, organizations uh of, of all um of all lobbies of all uh governments like uh it's basically sustainability like shipping needs to become uh sustainable and uh and yeah it's uh it, it's a huge thing because it's not so easy um Of course we, we shouldn't forget that ships by itself moving uh, stuff over water by the way of ships it's the most efficient way of moving uh, products so uh, this is of course an argument for uh, for ship owners to say like well look look what we are doing already
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it is true that uh, that even those huge, huge container ships who who burn this uh, this residue of um, fossil fuels they still per ton per mile are way cleaner than than any lorry or even a train so in that respect it is quite uh, it is already quite efficient but uh, but now it is clear that it needs to be way more efficient like According to the IMO, fifty percent uh, compared to 2008. But uh, but yeah, if you look at uh, at the reality, of course, of nature, it needs to be emission free at 2050. And yeah. uh, well, uh, it, it would be better if it would be earlier. And there is quite a quite a lot of uh, engineers trying to solve this uh, this problem. And and yeah, like you say, there is like. Um, There is like people looking at biofuels or looking at um, at hydrogen, which, by the way, is just a carrier of energy. Of course, energy still needs to come from something. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, but also looking at nuclear, um, yeah, we we know that also has its um, uh, its disadvantages. so yeah, it, it's kind of a puzzle which has not been solved, and ship owners start to become a bit uh, wary about it as well. Like um, they they have ships sailing, and and they are ordering ships who um, who need to be who need to be operated for 20 or 30 years. That's kind of the the life cycle of a ship. So if you are a ship owner and you have ships sailing now, who are uh, causing all these emissions? You don't really want to uh to change those ships before they uh they're at their at their end of lifetime. Yeah. But when you're a ship owner and you want to you want to grow your fleet, you actually need to make a decision now to build emission-free ships. Because if we are gonna need to be uh well, at least 50% less emissions by 2050, then 2020 is the year uh, where the first ships are being built who will be sailing then. So so those ships already should be uh, a lot cleaner. And the only only proven technology out there is sailing with wind uh, to to reach those, uh, those kind of emission reductions. Uh,
1: and, uh, like i say there's a there's a, a, a rich uh, maritime history in my part of the world here in in uh, the northwest of england so and there's a, a, a prominent shipbuilding shipbuilding yard called camel Leads, which i well when i when i used to go to the office i used to, I cycle past every morning uh massive massive buildings you know and still up op- in operation fixing and building new ships so if i went in there and had a knocked on the door and spoke to some of the executives and i started to speak to them about wooden ships and sail powered ships what do you think they would do and what, what would their reaction be do you think that a, a large ship w- have we lost have we lost the skill to to build wooden ships at scale now or is it still there somewhere yeah
0: yeah of course uh m- most shipyards uh, wouldn't be able to build wooden ships it can be learned quite quick but um uh but yeah those those shipyards they are specialized in steel ships and for that reason as well, EcoClipper, um, uh, the the new design will be steel. But if we look, of course, in the future, and we really look at, um, uh, yeah, thinking innovative, then also uh, we need to look at uh, materials who are emission free. And it is um, it is way easier to uh, to grow wood emission free than to uh, than to forge steel emission free. So uh, yeah, for that reason, of course, uh, in the future, the, the only uh, real sustainable uh, shipping would come from wooden ships. Although probably the the managers you you would meet uh, on, on the work floor or, or on the boardroom, they would have a hard time um, grasping that reality.
1: Well,''ll I'll, next time I'm down there, I'll go in and I'll uh, have a chat with them the students. And see what the reaction is. Um, <laughs> I hope they don't throw you out. <laughs> I know. So yeah, get get back on your bike, Ed, and get lost. So tell us a bit more about the design of a Clipper ship. What makes it kind of unique, and what why why you focus on on Clippers?
0: Yeah. So um, so of course there is uh, there's many ways of um, uh, of, of running a sail cargo company. There's many different uh, business models. With the EcoClipper, we made the choice to um, to carry cargo, to uh, transport passengers and trainees. So, for that reason, we looked at a at a design a vessel which would, would be able to uh, to carry sufficient cargo. So, meaning we had to look at um, at, at um, basically cargo ships and not yachts. There's a lot of innovation in the yachting world. To make faster ships mm-hmm. but um, uh, often uh, those ships are also uh, faster or their designs are based on having uh, lightweight ships so we, we made the cho- the choice to do to not do that uh, also we are we will be uh, uh, needing ships who are uh, quite uh, comfortable in a way uh because people will be for extended times on board and would want to have uh, a good experience of it. so uh, so the, these ships will be quite uh, seaworthy and clipper ships uh, yeah are the, the proven uh, design it's not all um, it's, it's not all historical uh, technology or so although it's proven we also use a lot of uh, modern innovations and especially um, for uh, for the energy for the systems on board. We look at solar power we look at um hydropower and uh, and wind uh, power mm-hmm. we also look at biodigesters to uh, uh to to run the galley um so so there's a lot of different uh, innovations going in these uh, clipper ships but uh but the rigging the square rigged rigging is still um uh yeah it, it, it can be uh quite quite good compared to, uh, to kind of the, the height of the, of the age of uh, clipper ships like, uh, like a seaman who would have sailed the Cutty Stark in the 19th century mm-hmm. would actually uh, find its way on uh, on, on, the, on the pin rail or the lines of the eco-clipper quite well. There wouldn't be so much difference. And the reason is that actually this sailing technology they used on these, um, on these big uh, sailing cargo ships was was already quite advanced and had the development of hundreds or thousands thousands of years uh, behind it so um, so so that technology was uh, was was quite uh, quite useful so why reinvent the wheel we decided to, to take that technology uh, along of mm-hmm. course it it would have been possible to also operate all those sails um, automatically, or, or that is uh, hydraulically or electrical, yeah. which would uh, which would require extra energy. So one would need to somehow source that. Uh, we decided not not to go that road. For two reasons: it's just very hard to get energy at sea sustainably. So the energy we will be able to get, we, we rather use it for like the. Kind of the hotel stuff on board, yeah. Like for heating, for showering, uh, for cooking, charging. Yeah, uh, charging Nintendos and stuff like that. Stuff like that, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the other reason is that with a large crew on board and with trainees who want to learn how to uh, how to sail these uh, sailing ships, it's just very nice to be able to have a bit of manual labor. And, um, and put some adventure in there. Mm. Like these sailors, they won't have to go to sports school anymore. So they will have a very, a very satisfying uh, crossing, uh, climbing, climbing around and falling on lines. And uh, so, so instead of being with 60 people on board, looking at one guy pushing a button, there will be like 60 people on board working together to cross an ocean.
1: I was going to say so how yeah in terms of the, the amount of crew needed for a ship how does it compare to a a, a, a ship powered from fossil fuels compared to a, a wind powered I would have thought you needed more people on a uh, to to man all the rigs and the sails but is it is that yeah. The case or?
0: Yeah so the the Eco Clipper design will be a ship of uh, 500 tons which is a very very small company compared to, um, to, to any of the um, of the current uh, um, motor cargo vessels. And we'll have about 12 professional crew members on board, accommodation for 12 passengers and for 36 trainees. So all told, 60 people on board. That is uh, quite a lot more than, uh, than you would have on a motor ship. But it doesn't matter because um, actually the, the passengers and the trainees generate revenue for the ship. And uh, yeah, the 12 crew members they um, they can uh, can run the ship actually uh, pretty good by themselves as well. I wouldn't deny that uh, uh, it is cheaper to uh, to use uh, motor ships. Not not so much because uh, sailing is so expensive, but because of the economies of scale. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the larger the ship. Uh, well, the, the more the overhead is divided over a larger amount of cargo. So the freight costs can can go down. And yeah, these sailing ships, we, we are a startup, so we uh, we decided to kind of start small as well. And uh, the design Eco Clipper, it's 500 ton, or actually um, just below 500 plus tonnage. And that's um, that's an, uh, an, an advantage regulations compared to ship which is slightly over 500 tons okay so that, that's just uh, um, yeah a uh, financial reason but uh but also the reason is that um, to start uh, to to really start uh running these ships uh well we, we need to grow as a company and in the future it might be possible to uh, to launch larger uh, sailing cargo ships but this is already this this eco clipper design is already about uh 10 times larger than than some of the current sail cargo ships in operation
1: in terms of the goods that you might be transporting uh, or you you have transported what, what kind of stuff are you looking at because I, I take it i mean part of the the rise of container ships and the dominance uh, is that they are the containers themselves you know in fact just out of my window in some in a woodland area behind my house There are a couple of old containers, ship containers, that are used to store stuff to to maintain the woods. So, I mean, these containers are are everywhere, aren't they? So, I take it you can't, um, you're not set up to to take those containers. So, what what containers do you use instead?
0: Yeah, so um, so these ships are basically designed for uh, LCL loads, so less than container loads. But that's basically whatever goes into a container, but then loose. So um so yeah then the biggest kind of the biggest um um container would become the pallet and uh, and a pallet uh, yeah it's just uh, about one or two cubic meters which can be uh, easily um, uh grabbed with a with a hoist and crane from the ship so uh, so it would not be necessary to uh to use shore side cranes or so it can be all uh, loaded and discharged by uh, by its own crew and um, the advantage of, um, of pellets of course is that it can still be uh be further uh, distributed to smaller ships to be uh, sailed up land or even when when discharging in a, in a town or a, or a city close to town or city uh, with um, uh, with uh, cargo bikes
1: um- I've seen photos on the website of, of like um barrels being loaded on as well. And so I assume there's, I don't know, coffee beans inside those or or or, or anything else you can you can fit inside. Have you, have you got have you set up specific or are you looking to set up specific partnerships with businesses that are really keen to lower their own carbon footprint and have, have their goods shipped around the world um by the wind?
0: Yes at this current moment we are uh, we are talking with uh, with a few companies and and these are for example um uh, uh there is um there's importers who import like spices or like one one particular company uh, imports pepper from uh from asia and and they're really into uh, sustainable farming and all that but well they still need um uh, container ships to uh to, to bring it over to europe and and they're, they are now really looking into using sailing vessels for that. Uh, so, so they um, they might be our first customer. But also, uh, for example, uh, uh, coffee importers, coffee roasters. We are definitely looking to make uh, contacts. So, yeah, if somebody's listening who's interested in, uh, uh, well, in, in some brainstorming about uh, if it would be feasible that we uh, could help you with, uh, w- with importing or exporting your goods, uh, sustainably then, uh, then definitely, uh, uh, reach out and, uh, we very happy to, uh, to open the conversation. Cool. Um,
1: I, I I'll also looking on the website and I can, I can see you, you, you're focusing on certain routes around the world. I think you might've been the, the Atlantic route initially, or are you going to be, have you got a timeline of when you think you'll be able to join up certain parts of the world via via ecoclipper or uh, are there just certain routes that are going to be off limits or or not
0: well basically we have um we have looked at four different uh, trading routes and there's two two kind of um um reasons we we looked at them or or two comparison points one is uh is the uh the business point of view so uh, which routes are interesting uh, for uh for shippers to um, their cargo sustainably which routes are interested for people to travel um, and then kind of the second um, reasoning is what are good sailing routes of course there is a there's a beautiful um, meteorological system around our world of prevailing winds uh, which uh, which can be used and which actually um, can make this operation um, trustworthy in a way compared to uh fluctuations in uh in, in fuel and oil prices uh, but um but that aside uh those four routes they are the transatlantic route that uh, so uh, between uh, uh the uk or europe and um, and america yeah. and then the trans-pacific route between america and Asia. Then there is the um, uh, the Eastern route, or the Orient route, between Asia and Europe. And uh, finally, the global route, which is uh, all the way uh, around the world, stopping in or uh, well, starting in Europe, stopping in uh, uh, Cape Town, Australia, New Zealand, and around Cape Horn back into the Atlantic
1: are they are they routes that that motorized ships take anyway or does motorization just kind of meant that we don't need to worry too much about uh which which way ships go
0: yeah there is of course uh routes being taken by uh, by motor ships but um but a lot of motor ships of course take the, the the canals as well like the Panama Canal or the Suez Canal and uh, yeah, we we won't be doing that. We will be going around uh, Cape Horn or Cape Good Hope. So that's slightly different. But apart from that, uh, yes, there is of course a huge, uh, huge trade route uh, in the uh, transatlantic. There is a huge trade route between Asia and Europe. Uh, that is of course the biggest, um, the biggest route. But those ships who sail from Asia to Europe, they uh, Unless they are enormous, they most of the time go through the Suez uh, Canal. Or recently, because of climate change, it has become uh, possible to take the northern route. Yeah, which is even shorter.
1: Um, in terms of like those the, the, the canal routes, the Suez and the Panama, would you not be going through there? For reasons of, of wind, or is it because is, is it the, I take it there's a cost associated with taking a shortcut through that?
0: Yeah, there is a cost, of course, but the, the main uh the main reason is wind. Like um uh those are not areas, those are light, light wind areas. Uh, we, we are looking for the strong winds, we are looking for the, the highways of the of the sea. Um for the global route, that's really the southern ocean where the westerlies go. And uh and looking at the transatlantic route, uh when you when you you cross from uh, from Europe to the Caribbean or, or America you often go south first pick up the trade winds and then with the northeasterly trade wind cross the ocean and on the way back you you follow um, you follow the, the gulf stream and go further um further north and um, and take the westerly winds back to Europe so there's there's these routes uh, we would be uh, using
1: yeah, well uh, that's something I can relate to because every every two or three weeks I'll go and I'll use my bike for exercise and I'll go. There's like a circular route from my house that goes right around the coast, actually. Um, and I'll always check the weather forecast to see which way the wind's blowing on a certain part of the route because I just know that if it's against <laughs> <Yeah>. me,
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it is nice. Huh? This is nice to think this way. So yeah. I guess
1: a question from that is and this is what happens when either the wind's against you or there's no wind is, is it just a case of a slight delay or, uh, or or you got yeah you're sailing you just know what to do and you can keep going regardless
0: yeah sailing uh, sailing downwind of course uh, a seagull on the soapbox can do that but uh it takes a sailor uh, to beat up into the wind and uh and a good uh, well-found vessel and, and actually um these um these clipper ships we are designing them with the possibility to also uh, sail quite good uh, against the winds. Or, well, this, this is called tacking, of course. You never sail straight into the wind, but uh, mm-hmm. you go as close as possible. But but that is just occasionally. Most of the time, uh, we, we will be um, having the winds in our favor because the routes uh, we take uh, are chosen uh, for that. So, uh, so there's always uh, the occasional time that you need some tacking. There's always times that there's no wind and then uh, yeah, it's time for tea. You might wait a few hours until the wind returns, but, um, uh, you always know that the wind will come back. So, uh, uh yeah. W- um, my personal experience as a master uh, commanding, uh, hombras which is also an engine that's, uh, sailing cargo ship, uh, sailing every year, once or twice around the Atlantic ocean. It's um, you. You can be quite sure on your scheduling, and uh, yeah, if if you plan a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, extra days, then most of the time you're right on time. You might sometimes be slightly late or sometimes uh, a bit early. I, I had it once that uh, we had such a fast crossing of the ocean that I had to uh, await at anchor in uh in barbados for about three weeks to uh to come back to our intended schedule and that uh that was not really a problem to be honest I'll bet. <laughs>
1: i think there's a joke by jerry seinfeld that he makes about sometimes a pilot when you're in a plane will say oh well, we're going to make up a bit of time in the in the, in the in the air um and the joke is that well, you know there's no traffic what well, just go as fast as you can how are you going to make up time but obviously it's a good tailwind, whether you're in a plane or on a ship or on a bike can make a big difference. So, hey? um, in, in terms of just transporting goods, I've got a dream in my head. I want to get back to the United States and to Northern America and South America as well at some point in my life. Um, but eco guilt means that I'm not too keen on getting in a, on an airplane. Um, so would you think there will be a chance either with Eco Clipper or with another firm at some point, there'll be a chance where passenger um numbers by sale uh, across the atlantic will be will be an option
0: yeah definitely there is uh, currently already a few uh, companies operating they mon- they mainly uh, uh, sell from europe to the caribbean not so much uh, to the states uh however uh, with ecoclipper we are planning uh, this transatlantic uh, uh, line which will go um, to the states as well and uh, and, and of course, uh, also uh, uh, stop uh, one way or the other way in the Caribbean. So, uh, so yes, the answer is yes. Um, it is already possible, but but it needs some searching. But um, but in the future, for sure, with um, with one ship of op- uh, one eco clipper operating on the transatlantic route, there will be like every four months or so. An, an option uh, of crossing the atlantic with two ships it will, will be like every two months and with four ships it will be every month and we're of course aiming to have like a weekly schedule or so so um uh, so yeah we well we have some work to do to uh, uh to finance and uh and, and order ships but um but yeah uh somewhere uh not not so far from now it will be definitely possible to uh Cross easily on the sail power
1: beautiful i know um greta thunberg when she well i think two years ago last year maybe no it must have been two years ago Yeah, she got across yeah. in about a week on a very small like carbon fiber uh sailboat um i think it took i think it took about a week you might you'll tell me better but how, how long would it take to get across on an on an eco-clipper
0: yeah it takes sli- slightly longer because these um the um, yeah the, the the yacht uh greta thunberg took was of course like uh quite a fast uh, fast vessel uh, mm. very light and, uh, and and built for speed yeah um I, I won't well actually clipper ships are also built for speed but also for carrying cargo So it will take a bit longer so uh possibly like like two or three or maximum four weeks
1: i mean i, I love the idea of that because I'm, I'm quite fortunate i guess with my work i can Work anywhere. My laptop is. Yeah. Um, my wife's a teacher, so she gets long holidays in the summer. So it's a possibility for us, I guess. Uh, but I guess you'll part... be
0: able to to write a book on the way, or so, or something like that.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely incredible. I guess part of the issue that that we face environmentally in terms of transport and consumerization and globalization is that we we demand everything now, don't we? We have a one week or a two week holiday um from from work. We've got to get to the Mediterranean to Mallorca or to Italy, you know, we've got to get there today so we can have a week by the pool and then we've got to get home and back to work. So that kind of, we need to kind of break that cycle of speed and, uh, and pressure on, on, on the system, don't we?
0: Yeah, definitely. And it, it might become easier with more and more people realizing that it's possible to uh, to work from a distance. So then, uh, yeah, if you would be uh, traveling for a longer time, uh, it might be possible to uh, to combine it with a, with a career.
1: Mm, that's the dream, man. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, we'll, we'll start to sum things up now, but what's, what's the business model for, uh, Eco then? Cause I think, I'm not sure. Can people invest right now and, and what, um, or if you kind of closed that first round of funding or where are you up to?
0: Yeah, we are, well, we actually closed, um, uh, well, we're, we're still talking with, a with a couple of people for the second, uh, round of investing in EcoClipper but it looks like uh, that that will, um, uh, will be closed soon. And, and then the next uh, possibility of, uh, of joining and, and investing in, uh, uh, in this venture will be investing in the first ship, the first uh, ship entity. And um, yeah, people are really interested. Um, there's a little bit of information on our website, ecoclipper.org. And uh, so, so you can kind of uh, have a look there. Mm -hmm. and but um but coming up the the coming uh few months there will be uh definitely uh uh, more over social media or uh, or other media uh, more information coming out for the opportunities of uh, investing in um, in this new uh this new great industry
1: yeah well hopefully a a switch will flip as well in terms of i don't know government investment in this kind of thing because I think we just saw, I just saw a news story in the UK yesterday about, you know, the the government are really keen to get the business back to normal and they're thinking of slashing passenger duty for um, air travel in the UK, which is obviously something that as an environmentalist, like, is just the most ridiculous decision in the universe. So you just wonder why can't can't we start to redirect all that money into... Businesses like yours and others. Um, so, is is there any sense from a kind of government scale operation that, that that there might be some you know light at the end of the tunnel and some funding for you?
0: Uh, for uh, for us personally, uh, yes, I, I think so. I think um, uh, well, we we have been um, we have been in contact with uh, with government agencies, and uh, and there's definitely a growing interest uh, there as well so uh so yes but but of course on the grand scale of things um yeah it, it could be more like um like for example there is still uh, uh shipyards around uh, around the country or maybe also in the uk who are struggling for work and uh and this might actually be great if, uh, if the government would uh, would help uh give like a premium to shipyards uh building uh silk cargo vessels uh, that that would be a great incentive, I think, to um, to move this transition forward.
1: All right, I'm going to send this interview to my uh, local MPs and members of parliament, <laughs> and councillors, to see if we can get something going because uh, <laughs> it just it makes so much sense, right? It's, uh, it's yeah, it's about, like, it's that kind of, I love that idea of like going back to the future. People are so keen to think of really really complicated solutions when the answer is right underneath our noses all the time, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's totally it's. Uh, yeah, and especially, of course, now we have been talking a bit, a bit about the, the business things, about more or less the science behind it, but there's also the emotional part of this. Uh, I'm, I'm a sailor myself. I, I used to sail the seven seas, and, and then when you're crossing an ocean with a small crew and you did it together, and you, have, and you taste that salt on your lips, and, and the wind is howling in the rigging, you really feel life.
1: I can imagine, man. And I guess there's, there's something about it coming full circle, you know, me as a, a Brit and you as, you know, the, the Netherlands has, have got an a incredible history of, you know, sailing the world and kind of exploration and obviously there's some, there are some downsides that that came with it as well in terms of slavery and other issues that you know we we need to address but the idea of going full circle and back to what back to where we started is quite it's quite a romantic thought isn't it
0: yeah totally and and like you say that there, there has been of course um uh definitely horrors uh connected to um uh well to, to international travel uh, in those days but now we have a chance to to do that all differently and to uh to really look at uh, creating an industry which is transparent which is social which is environmentally conscious and uh and that's really um, where we ought to strive for
1: beautiful all right uh on it. i'll we'll, i'll leave it there but thanks so much for your time mate i really appreciate it
0: thank you very much uh Edward. ahoy ahoy indeed
1: wow fantastic what an amazing conversation with you on really appreciate your time mate um yeah do check out the website and they're on social media Uh, a lot as well so subscribe sign up follow them amazing work and yeah like i say we just need to go back to the future with some of this stuff you know maybe forget some of the crazy outlandish high-tech solutions and just work with what nature has provided us with Uh, i hope you enjoyed that show please do check out the website rethinknow.uk for all previous episodes and for uh, news about what else we're up to if you'd like to suggest some episodes for the show or get in touch or make some suggestions please do drop us a line And yeah, until next time, fair winds.